Welcome to Tax Boss. I'm Meryl Bailey in Orlando, Florida. And I'm Crystal Woodbury in Denver, Colorado. We're each licensed as attorneys and CPAs. We help our clients get the best results because we work well with their trusted advisors. Tax Boss is a podcast for advisors from multiple professions to get together to discuss common client issues and how we can work together to solve them. So, Merrill, I think a good topic um, to talk about at the beginning of the year is the SECURE Act that became effective on January 1st of 2020 and has some pretty major impacts on qualified plans, retirement plans, 401ks, IRAs, and um, required minimum distributions once the plan holder passes away. I agree, because there's been all this talk about SECURE Act, SECURE Act, but I haven't heard a lot of people talking about what the advisors should expect from other advisors in response to the SECURE Act. Right. And people have been talking about the law and how the law changed, but the nuts and bolts of what we as estate planning attorneys are going to do in response to the law change hasn't really been discussed. So I don't know how financial planners and CPAs and other advisors will know what to expect from the financial, sorry, the estate planning attorneys in their world. Right. Um, So let's talk about what the rules used to be and how they've changed starting in 2020. So it used to be you have your retirement plan, you have your 401k. When you pass away, if you're married, you leave it to your spouse. And there are certain rules that apply to um, how a spouse can take distributions. When you leave it to someone else that's not your spouse, it became an inherited IRA. And if the beneficiary designations were set up properly, that new beneficiary could stretch the required minimum distributions over their life expectancy. So in other words, if I as a spouse inherited the IRA, it wasn't really an inherited IRA, it was a rollover IRA. Correct. We had the choice to make it an inherited IRA, but an inherited IRA had to have required minimum distributions taken out starting immediately. Mm -hmm. Depending on the life of the decedent, that life expectancy was either the ghost life expectancy of the person who died, or the goal was to try to get this stretch based on the life expectancy of the person who inherited. So one of the things that we as estate planning attorneys looked at was could we leave retirement benefits, if the client wanted to leave wealth to a grandchild or someone young, would leaving the retirement plan in an IRA trust be a great way to pass wealth down to another generation? Because if we could get, you know, if Sally's two years old and we left wealth in Sally's trust that was IRA wealth and it qualified for the stretch, the IRS would assume Sally's going to live another 90 years, and so we would have to take out 190th over the rest of Sally's life each year. And the rest of the money would stay in trust and continue to earn wealth on a tax-deferred basis. So that's what we used to be doing. Now, Crystal, what should we do now for new trusts, and what do we do now to the old trusts that are set up that way? So the rules now are, starting in January of 2020, If you inherit an IRA and you are not a spouse, the entirety of the retirement plan must be paid out over 10 years, within 10 years, which means that the income tax obligation is due within 10 years rather than stretching out over someone's life expectancy. Well, when you say paid out, what that means is the retired minimum distribution is 
one-tenth, at least one-tenth a year for 10 years, and that distribution generally needs to be made to the human who is the beneficiary of the trust. Correct. Yes. If, if it's in trust planning or if you just name a beneficiary, like a lot of folks do, um, name their kid or their grandkid as the beneficiary, that beneficiary has to take it over 10 years. So if Sally had, at two years old, inherited, Sally now, and let's say it's a million-dollar IRA, Sally would get $100,000 a year for the next 10 years in Sally's name. Yes, if she was not... It's an Amber Alert. Oh. So in other words, if we had a client who wanted to leave wealth to a grandchild, which has its own issues that we'll discuss <laughs> anyway. I'm not always a fan of leaving money to a grandchild. The, let's say Sally is two. And again, before Sally could take it over her life expectancy, which was about 92. So it would mm -hmm. take about one ninetieth. Mm -hmm. Now she has to take out 10% a year minimum over the next 10 years. Or she could actually take out none each year and take it all in the 10th year. I don't think she can. She has to take that the think, required minimum I distributions so of one-tenth a year. I believe that's a correct statement. I think that's true. So yes. if, the, if the IRA yes. was worth a hundred, I'm sorry, if it was worth a million dollars, Sally at age two would be getting a hundred thousand dollars in her name. Yes. Minimum each year. Which is a train wreck. Yes. Um, there are exceptions to the 10-year rule. Um, which includes still the surviving spouse. The surviving spouse can still roll it over into their own. A disabled or chronically ill beneficiary. And one thing that I find completely interesting is the definition of disabled and chronically ill in the SECURE Act has no relation whatsoever to any other definition in any other part of the federal law. That we use for any other planning yes. that we do. Yes. They just rift off. Yes. Um, a beneficiary that is fewer than 10 years younger than the deceased person who owned the IRA can still use their life expectancy, and a minor child can use their life expectancy until they reach the age of majority. So and if then, Sally were a child instead of a grandchild, yes. Sally could take out the 190th until she's two. Let's assume her age of majority is 18. So for the next 16 years, she could take out 190th, and then what? And then she has 10 more years to take out the rest. Okay, so then she's going to take out, let's assume it's, it's made back what it paid out for mm -hmm. her. So now she's going to take $100,000 a year from age 18 to age 28. I'm thinking that's even worse than a two-year-old. Yes. So, and it's just a minor child, not a minor grandchild, and age of majority is not defined in the SECURE Act. People. Work with us. There are other laws that define all these things. Just, just you know, default to yeah. those laws. Don't go making them up, Congress. Thank you so much. So from my perspective and talking to the advisors that we work with, the, the financial advisors, um, CPAs, when we're doing that sort of planning, is revisiting with our clients, our estate planning clients, what their planning goals are when they die as far as what wealth they want their kids to inherit or, or other beneficiaries to inherit and how, and revisiting 
especially revocable trusts where we have named typically what we call conduit trusts, so trusts that require if IRA money comes into the trust, it gets distributed out immediately. Those numbers are substantially different if you are leaving an IRA in trust for a 40-year-old when they could stretch it out over 50 years versus leaving it in a conduit trust for a 40-year-old where it has to be pulled out within 10 years. So revisiting those trust provisions to maybe not require that all the IRA money coming in gets distributed out to the beneficiary. So let's step back just for a moment. So we have the choice as the owner of a retirement plan to define who our beneficiaries are. And the beneficiaries, the choices are, the beneficiaries could be a human or the beneficiaries could be a trust for the benefit of the human. Yes. If the money is left directly to a human, it's going to come out and it's going to go to the human and there's no options. There's no asset protection. There's no options. Right. If we leave it in trust for the human, we have the same options for pulling the money out. But traditionally, for income tax purposes, because the human tax rates are less compressed than the trust tax rates, meaning that we get to the highest tax rate much sooner in a trust for income that stays in the trust than we are for income that goes to a human. So in the past, we would do what we call a conduit trust language for the trust that had the retirement plans, meaning that if a required minimum distribution was taken out of the IRA that was in the trust, we distribute it to the beneficiary, which was the human, because then it would go on a K-1 for the human at the human's tax rate. Now, it looks like we don't want to, in many cases, force that conduit. We don't want to force that distribution. We want to allow the trust to have what we call accumulation language. And accumulation language says, basically, it's up to the trustee to decide. The money comes out of the IRA into the trust, so it is a taxable event. But the trustee decides whether to keep the money, the distribution in the trust, and pay the higher tax rate rather than distributing that money out to the human at the human's tax rate because the damage that the human could do to the himself or herself with that cash distributed is more of a risk than the higher tax. It, that could be the case, yes. Or and, and at least give the trustee some discretion, maybe distribute some of it out, but not all of it out. Yes. To protect yes. and portion of so, it. So, Crystal, you were talking about, before in our lives, we've talked about common trusts versus separate trusts. Yes. And so talk to me about your thoughts about common trusts for this new IRA option. Right. So what a common trust is, is a trust with multiple beneficiaries. It's also known as a pot trust. Pot, yes. Typically, when we do estate planning, I think most estate planners very much dislike pot trusts or common trusts. Or multiple beneficiary trusts. Mo yes. Um, because multiple beneficiary trusts just inherently give the opportunity for beneficiaries to think that someone else got more or someone else got better, someone went to Harvard with the trust money and they went to a community college, we prefer to split the money at the very beginning so each trust has one beneficiary so they're not comparing. So in other words, if you have three children and you leave the wealth one-third to each in separate trusts, each child will only get an accounting 
and only know about what happens in the child's separate trust. So Alan won't know what Bob did and won't know what Carolyn got because Alan, Bob, and Carolyn each have their own pots. But in a... I'm sorry, I shouldn't have used the word pot. In a pot (laughs) trust, a common trust, or a multi-beneficiary trust... Alan, Bob, and Carolyn are all beneficiaries of the same trust, and they get an accounting of that one trust. So Alan will know what got, what Bob got, and Bob will know what Carolyn got. And if the beneficiary, if Bob got more than Alan because the trustee decided that Bob needed something this year, mm-hmm. Alan and Carolyn will both know and be pissy about it. That's possible, yes. Where a a common trust could come into play with an IRA is if you make the, now that we have the 10-year distribution rule, and we know we want to leave, our client wants to leave their IRA to individuals, to their children, grandchildren, whoever it might be. And these people don't qualify for any of the exemptions. Right. Exceptions. Um, Exceptions, so they can't stretch it. It has to come out within 10 years. Um, A conversation to have with those clients is, does it make sense to put just the IRA payouts into a common trust for the benefit of all your estate plan beneficiaries? You can still separate all your other assets out. So Alan, Bob, and Carol, for everything else, just get accounting of their one-third. But for the IRA, have it go into a common trust with multiple beneficiaries, and the trustee can make distributions out of that trust according to the terms of the Trust for Health Education, Maintenance, and Support of multiple beneficiaries, K-1 that income out to the multiple beneficiaries so that maybe out of that common trust, the beneficiaries in the lower tax brackets get more IRA money coming in. And Alan, Bob, and Carol out of their separate trusts maybe can defer some distributions out of there or income only out of those trusts but we can spread the IRA tax hit over more beneficiaries. So now we've gone from three separate trusts to four trusts, three separate, one for Alan, Bob, and Carol, and one for the common group of the three of them. And then we have to think about, okay, but everything that comes out of the common trust is income taxable, so a dollar out of the common trust is not necessarily the same as a dollar out of another trust. So it's just adding complexity to our clients' lives. It's it's adding complexity. The most important piece of it is explaining to the client how the 2020 Secure Act laws are substantially different from the conversations we had with them when we did their initial planning. The conversations they have been having with their financial advisors when they're saving for retirements. Um, Maybe clients want to be pulling more out of their retirement plans during their lifetime than their required minimum distributions once they reach age 72 and letting other assets appreciate for their beneficiaries. Hadn't thought about that. That's That's an option. It's just such a complete change from what I've been counseling clients for years because using the stretch out was such a great way to get multi-generational wealth and to do it properly you had to have separate trusts and the idea of using a common trust is just so abhorrent to me 
but there's a really that's a really great option in certain situations. But the key is what we don't want is to set up a structure that requires the trustee to distribute wealth that will harm the beneficiary if the beneficiary gets it. We don't want the alcoholic or drug addicted, for example, or the mentally yes. challenged child, adult child, getting this boatload of money because the trust said it had to be distributed out and right. now they've got all these hangers on that are that are taking advantage of them yes. and they've got predators and creditors and that's the worst thing that could happen. So the tax hit to me is less of a risk than the damage the child could do to the child with too much money at hand. In those in those situations yes. for sure. Yeah. And and I do think it's it's a planning opportunity for every advisor to at least have their converse, have the conversation with their clients of this is what the new law says um, for us estate planners this is what your estate plan says this is why it made sense when we put it in place does it still make sense or do we want to revise it based on the new laws there's a lot of work going on so basically the secure act is the full employment act of attorneys yet again yes yes to the chagrin of our clients. So takeaways, Meryl, I think are if you are an estate planning client and you have either a will-based plan or a revocable trust-based plan that leaves assets in trust for your children or other beneficiaries, probably ought to revisit that plan with your estate planning attorney and make sure it still makes sense for your planning goals. Or if you don't have it going to beneficiaries in a trust, maybe now's the time to put it in a trust because now that you know it's going to come out so quickly, it might not be what you envisioned for that wealth. Yeah. And on the other hand, if you are a financial advisor or a CPA and we have mutual clients with, a, with an estate planning attorney, your expectations of the estate planning attorney should be that they acknowledge that there has been changes, that they know what type of trust their clients have and reach out to make sure that the client has the option or that you, at least as the additional advisors in this client's world, understand that the client is in a situation where they've got conduit trust language rather than accumulation trust language and the differences and what the client's options are to, to make a change if they wanted to. Yes. That's it for this episode of Tax Boss. Remember, spectacular trusted advisors play nice in the sandbox with their peers. Find your A-team and collaborate with them. Tax Boss is sponsored by Your Caring Law Firm in Orlando, Florida and The Law Center PC in Denver, Colorado.